They can find us wherever they get their podcasts, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Today we get to talk to Katie Bowman remotely via Zoom. She was kind enough to give us her time in August when it was so hot. And actually, it seems much longer ago than August because it's gotten so cold that it's just that part of my mind has cut that part of the year off. I <laughs> think it was on. last year. You're moving right. on. <laughs> At an outdoor program supporting her book, Grow Wild. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. It is. I like it when people come on the podcast. <laughs> Have you listened to any of them? No, I haven't. But oh. I'm going to. Oh, there's some there's some fun stuff on there. Uh, I talked to one of our patrons about fairy tales, and also about her work with the special ed program at the junior high. And I talked to somebody from the Parks and Rec department about how he is a extremely high energy person. <laughs> I mean, that's not what we set out to do, but that is what the podcast turned out to be about. So that was fun. This one's going to be fun, too. All right. What is your job? I'm a biomechanist and uh, an, an author of books about movement. And very helpful books about movement, especially for librarians who you wouldn't think would really have any kinds of issues, but we do because, you know, our grip on books, our hands dry out and our grip gets weaker over time and we do injure ourselves. But with movement, these things can be helped. They can. It's true. <laughs> and nutritious movement is what you do. And I like that term very much. And would you tell the people a little bit about it? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, many are comfortable with this idea of just moving more in general to stay healthier in general. But nutritious movement is trying to dial in the phenomenon of movement to be a bit more specific. So, you know, it's like food, you know, eat, eat food so that you're not starving. Like that would be a really general recommendation. And then it could be, well, make sure you've got these categories, you know, make sure you have enough protein, fat, and carbohydrates. Starts to get more specific. Oh, oh, you also need to eat some vitamins. Oh, you also need to eat some minerals. So it's more nuanced with really to reap the benefits of food to be used as medicine, you know, where the, the source of what we need are found in these things called dietary nutrients, but movement provides quite a few nutrients as well. Nutrients are just things that you require the input of, and in the absence of, there are very predictable uh, physiological problems that arise. So that's how, you know, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, that's why they're labeled as such, is because there's been enough data collected on them to know when you have a physical health problem X, when you go in, it's going to line up pretty well. Like, oh, you're, you're missing this nutrient. And so we'll add this back in. And when you add the compound back in, the physical issue goes away um, because it was an essential input, but movement works the same way. So it's not only just a general amount of movement that you need to stay active versus more sedentary, but it's really like, no, like you were saying, your hands need specific movements 
And sometimes you can get this with nutri dietary nutrients, you can get too much of a particular movement. So I imagine librarians are uh, regularly picking up books and moving them around, but maybe they're not, maybe you don't have monkey bars going through your library. <laughs> and so maybe the shoulders are weak, but the grips are strong and that you need to distribute that movement over. So it's just this idea of we all have a movement diet so to speak um and it has too much of some stuff and not enough of another stuff and you can learn and all of the movement type and you can learn what those are and then figure out what your daily movement diet would look like if you want to feel and move a certain way better yeah i really like the grow wild book because of starting from the very beginning and making sure that that lots of different types of movement yeah. are part of how you grow up, which is how I grew up as a poor child in the 70s yeah. <laughs> with hippie parents and back to the earth grandparents. It's, that is what we did, was, yeah. which has stood me in great stead for you know all of my life. I was a slim and athletic kid. I'm a heavy adult. My bones have no problems with that. My bones and joints, they are set to carry me around. They're robust yeah. because of that early training with, you know, and that early training makes your bones stronger. It does. It, it makes it work better. Yeah. I have broken bones twice in my life and that is it. And I'm not careful. And I go down hard when I go down. <laughs> Nothing breaks. I That's bounce. great. And it's also partly um, because big, heavy German ladies like myself that's, that's we're strong we we're, we're strong. strong we're strong and big boned and can carry mass well i mean so yeah like i'm right there with you yeah my great grandmothers great great grandmothers you know 15 kids that all live to adulthood you know just yeah. no problem also they themselves lived way into their 70s and 80s because of that robust and of course 19th century ladies moved around a lot and carried a lot and that is the beginning of of the culture of move around in my family that's yeah. what we all did our everyone's grandparents did everyone's great-grandparents and grandparents before it. i mean it's been a slow reduction of movement that's sort of um exponentially uh, increase in a very short period of time, but it's very recent. You know, you don't, I can go back and find just pictures of my grandparents and my great grandparents and be like, oh, they're laborers. Mm -hmm. And they weren't, and they weren't, everyone was laboring. It's, right. it was the only way that you could get the stuff that you needed. You know, like right. now we think of laborers as people who work physically for their job, but that was everybody just up into a very recent period of time. And, and it, it certainly took its toll. I found a picture of my German great-grandmother <laughs> and I was asking my mom, I'm like, how old is she here? Like 65, 70? She's like, yeah, she's 35. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, like you're, when you, when you move really, uh, for a lot of things and are out in, in nature and farming and building and dealing with animals, you know, it, it, it would, it, it, you know, if you think of calluses on your hands, just imagine that all over your whole body, your face. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just what it, it's just what it was. And so we just really aren't connected to 
that way any longer, but in the same way, we're not connected to a cell phone free existence. Like those were like 10 years ago. The smartphones came on 10 years ago. We can't imagine how you would do anything without the smartphone. It's like, well, the same goes for this whole phenomenon of like moving for all your stuff. I'm like, that just sort of is recently receded. You know, my grandmother who's still alive, you know, she, it's, she can't really imagine another way. Yeah. Now, uh, the way that you just used to do laundry, just that one task alone, used to be so heavy. Uh, from making the soap. Uh, yeah, to... right. You can go back as far as you want. <laughs> well, I read a book that it was just a short one and it was about these two sisters. It was their what they wanted to talk about about themselves they were over a hundred years old and they were still active one was a dentist i think one the other one was a psychiatrist uh african-american ladies and they still i i think that they in their hundreds were not doing it themselves but they still wanted their laundry done in the way that they had done it for their mother which was make the soap boil the laundry through the ringer, out on the line, and all of it still up into the modern era. And it was like, I think that book was out in 2008. And they were still, that's how they wanted it done. They thought that it was better for their, I can't believe it was better for their clothes, but that's how they felt it was better. And for killing germs and dirt. Right. Yeah. I would love to know. I would love to know the name of that book. If you, if you remember it, let me know. I, I will. I'll email you the book and I'll there put it in the show notes. Put it in the <laughs> so show that other well, people can read it as well. I mean, drying laundry. So like we, I don't wash by hand. We have a washing machine, but I still line dry. And, and, and a lot, and most of the world still line dries, like to not line dry is sort of like this American thing where a lot of other countries like, what do you mean? Nobody laundry? Like, why would everyone waste all that electricity when the sun and a string are pretty much a free thing? And again, because it takes a lot of movement and we've gotten movement averse, but it's definitely a great eco step that everyone can take. And it's also great for the shoulders, you know, hanging the laundry and reaching it up and you get to be outside. So I recommend that in the winter time, we just hang it up. We have a wood stove, but even even in Japan, my husband lived in Japan for a lot of years where they line dry year round, even in yeah. the cold. So you just remember like the thing, sun dries and um, heat dries and wind dries. Yeah. So you, you just get it out really early in the morning and it will be dry enough uh, year round if you know how to set it up. Yeah, they... Uh my best ever laundry line was when my dad made for me that was on a pulley system so that you could let it down you could hang stuff up and then you would haul that huge heavy laundry all the way back up again and it was so high up off the ground none of the dogs could jump up and play with it and it was i love that laundry line so much i had to move and now we're a place where the laundry is too close to the ground <laughs> and also, I was washing it by hand for like three years in wow. there. Yeah, so that was no fun. More on you. <laughs> <laughs> but I can do it. And I, what helps is the little metal plunger that is just for uh, plunging laundry. It looks like a plunger you would use in the toilet, but it's made of tin. 
oh. on the handle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Have you ever seen those in um, antique stores? That's what That's they what are. That's what it is. It's All right. washing clothes. And it, it makes a difference. I also, I didn't use it, but I know how. A uh, washboard with a soap that actually makes it much easier to wash your clothes because a little bit of friction gets the soap into the clothes mm-hmm. more quickly. Yeah. But most people use it too fast and so it wears the buttons off, breaks buttons and stuff. Breaks zippers. Not just an instrument. It's I mean it's not just a musical instrument. It's also right. a an functional Im- tool. An important tool for laundry. I don't like to do that. I'd mm-hmm. rather it was in an efficient washing machine. <laughs> but I can. But you can, and you have. Uh, where are you from? I am, I'm from California, but I also would say that I'm from like hundreds, thousands of people before me who did all the work that you were talking about. Like I see myself as from those people first, um, but then I think most people when they're asking the question, they mean like where on the earth. Um, <laughs> And that would be, I was born in California. (laughs) I like both answers. And I would say that uh, being from the people that you sprang from is also, you know, every time they have a post-apocalyptic society has crumbled story, everybody's so helpless. And that drives me nuts because of course we're not helpless. We know how to take care of ourselves. We have all of these little non-electric solutions. It wouldn't matter if you couldn't go to the store and buy stuff. We know how to. <laughs> yeah. We we can find all the ways. And one of the ways would be to go to the library, which will still be there when society <laughs> collapses, and read the Foxfire books that tell you how to <laughs> do all of these things. Have you moved around a lot? Well, yes, in the, in probably, and again, both senses. So I'm always moving around a lot, um, just in my, you know, hour to hour life. But also, I am sort of a nomadic person by soul. Um, I, I was just calculating. We we just recently moved a year ago, and since I left home at 18. I have moved to 18 different homes and I'm 45. So that's like 27 years and I've moved 17 times. So I'm just moving, I'm just on the move. And I already know, like just staying in place, staying in one place on the land doesn't really suit me in the same way that staying in one physical position doesn't really seem to suit me. I'm just a very, um, dynamic person in that in that way like i just must require something about moving and and traveling Uh and i have to meet that need and i can feel at my last house i stayed in for five years and uh both of us my partner my husband and i were talking who's also very nomadic and i was like i've never since i've been an adult i've never been in one place for five years and it's time to go (laughs) time to go (laughs) as long as it Sinks up for both of you. I it think does. That that's yeah. really healthy. It's and helpful. Great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, my next question is what's your favorite thing here? And I'm going to hold you to Pendleton. You've been here, you've I've seen been it. Uh, I. What's your favorite thing here? My favorite thing in Pendleton. So, yes, I only went between 
the hotel that I stayed in. And is it Grecian Park? Yeah. Grecian Park. Okay. So on my walk, because I walked, even though it was over a hundred, I mean, it was like hundred and five degrees when it was I so it was, hot. it was so hot, but I was still walking as transportation as I'll do, even though I drove to Pendleton. But once I landed, I went on foot and on my walk to the Grecian Park, um, is a little lending library on the same side as the park. And I found some treasures. I love books and I left some of my books in some brand new books because I was doing a book signing and I popped them in there too. Cause I love, I do that all over the, I love little libraries. And that was my uh-huh. little lending library. That was my sort of treasure because you actually, I think I had to walk, maybe even to walk into the yard. It was just very cute. Yeah. So yeah. that was my favorite thing. And I also heard there was some drinking chocolate, but I didn't make it there. So I'm going to have to say the library, the lending library, the little lending library. Uh, that drinking chocolate is really good. And I, next time, next, next time, time, I'll time. For you. It will, it's Alexander's in case people are wondering. Um, how do you use the library? Oh, gosh. Well, so I almost went into library science when I was in college. So like a lot is how much I used my library. I used it. So I, I use it as a parent. Um, I have two children who are also avid readers. And so we use it as our main source of entertainment it comes from books because we don't do a lot of video based entertainment or, um, you know, computer based stuff. So parenting um, for me, I like to walk into a library without usually a plan of what to get. Like very rarely will I hold a book for myself. I really, really appreciate displays. <laughs> I, yeah. I love, I love when new nonfiction is displayed because it lets me know like this is going to be like new books that are usually recently out. It lets me know a lot about the librarians in my area, like what they're interested in because they're purchasing, I'm sure based on what they think other people will like, but you're of course going to be drawn to the books that you love and want to put in front of other people. So I use that and then librarian recommendations. And I'm the same in a bookstore. When someone has taken the time to put out recommendations of what they feel are the top stuff like i'm gonna read it because there's too many choices so when you highlight something for me by the way you choose to display it or just very explicitly make a recommendation like i'm gonna read it i'm gonna i'm gonna take you up on that so that's that's how i use it yeah that's you know going into library science you don't realize how much of it is going to be customer service that's right. <laughs> you think it's going to be looking stuff up for people, like research yeah. projects. That's what I thought. Like, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a researcher, but I'm going to get to know all these. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's probably not what it was going to be. Yeah. It, even if you are a different kind of librarian, not everybody's a librarian in a public setting. Right. Lots of people are, you know, medical librarians, law librarians. Even yeah. there, it is still a lot customer of customer service. A lot of handholding. They had a lot of hand. Guess what? Being a biomechanist is also a lot of customer service too. So maybe we're just in the age of a lot of people needing assistance, finding what they want in a time where there's never been so much information. So who knew? Well, wouldn't you consider yourself to be librarian? It's based in book is what it is, but it's really about information. Sure. Are you or are you not a librarian of the body? 
I am. That's a great way to say it. Yes, I am trying to help you answer those questions that you hold. And I'm sorting the catalogs just in my head. Like that's the problem. Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm trying to convert the catalog in my head into books that you can actually literally go check out at the actual library because I've answered so many of those same questions again and again. I'm like, let me put that into something that we can print and you can check out and and have access to the catalog in my mind, sort of speak. So yeah, thanks for that. It's great. That's that is another thing that we're trying to do with this podcast, besides being, you know, a new way for you to access the library. I want people to realize what libraries are. It's yeah. not where little old ladies and little kids go to play with books. It's about information in any way you can possibly imagine gathering it it is available for you yeah. any information you can possibly imagine needing here it is yeah we've got it so that's an important and a lot more people are librarians than think they're librarians such as yourself um <laughs> what's the furthest you have been from home which is a lot of places or countries you've traveled in uh, the the furthest country I ever went to, and it was the first time I left my country of the United States, um, and that was going to Zimbabwe in Africa. I was about 20. Yeah. So I went to a couple different countries on the continent of Africa, but that was, that was the farthest I've, that was, you know, it was not only in mileage the farthest i was from home but it was also metaphorically the farthest i have ever been from <laughs> home and um but it was also sort of a very orienting for me for the rest of my life so it was also in that way um a bit of a future homecoming you know like it just that's why we travel like why we whether we travel in books you go to get a different perspective and a different understanding and then that's ultimately how you become you, you know, that's what I mean by coming home in that right. sense. So yeah, that was great. That was still probably the most <laughs> memorable ex travel experience. And I find if you're there long enough, uh, people are going to be extremely familiar. Mm -hmm. Like you will meet the same people again and again, wherever you go in the world. That lady is just like that one lady <laughs> that I right. met that time. If only you could hook them up together, it would be. <laughs> it would prove it. Um, what's a reference question you've always wanted to ask? Well, so I think about like the questions that are on my mind when I walk into the library. I don't usually utter them. I just use search terms. Maybe that's what everyone's doing. You have sort of a general question. You're like, I'm just going to throw some general questions into Google. Mm -hmm. But when I go to a library, my questions really have a lot to do with. Um, they have a lot to do. My personal interests are the overlap of biology and culture. So it's like where did be humans behaving this way come from, right? That's the question that's on my mind. And I'm and I'm going, what's the card catalog? Like, should I be looking in the 300s or the 600s, right? So I'm looking sort of for anthropology, but it's also like, I'm looking for a perspective that precedes anthropology. So Sapiens was the best book that answered that question for me. So then I start to then go, okay, well, what's my next question that comes from? Like, why do we think the ways we think? That's my, that's the, that's the question I'm always hoping. There's a succinct, <laughs> easy answer and a reading list to go with it. 
that's always they're getting some really good ones lately some books have been coming about out about how thought has progressed and why we used to think the way that we used to think one of the things that i'm always looking at is extinct jokes mm. for instance uh we don't get it anymore but in medieval times uh when people were illuminating manuscripts they would draw weird little animals and people and things happening in the margins marginalia and it's decorative and there are these occurrences that we just don't we don't know what they meant and one idea is that it is some kind of hilarious lost joke and it's snails snails doing weird stuff and being weird places like a little tiny knight who's fighting with a snail that's his size but it occurs in so many different contexts and mm. so many different ways that it's clearly something is meant by it maybe it's a naughty lady joke they don't know they can't tell <laughs> it's like the margins of mad magazine my mad magazine when i was a kid always had those like sub cartoons like what what, what? But what's the reason? Is it just like we we need to maximize our real estate because printing's expensive? You know, it could have such right. a purposeful or, or, or non a reason that doesn't relate to the text, and someone just love doodling is like I'm going to put these in here. Just yeah, I love it, and you never maybe never even have that answer, but never. it doesn't matter. Just the question itself <laughs> is exciting enough. Exactly that kind of thing. You can't even ever know, but that's fun to speculate. Uh, what do you wish people knew about your job? Oh, uh, probably how awkward it is when anyone asks you what you do for a living. You know, like I have one of those, I don't have any, I have no answer that anyone can even relate to. Everyone else can be like, oh, that's nice. And it's just silence. And a lot of the silence comes from me going, well, um, I hate answering this question, <laughs> but this is what I do. Doesn't, it seems like a non-job. Yeah, I sort of hate answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the questions are always. Uh, what's your favorite dream? And that can be either a dream that you have at night when you're asleep or a goal you oh. someday would like to have. Um, what's your favorite dream? Well, what popped into my head first is my night, like a nighttime dream. I have had uh, one reoccurring dream throughout my life, and it always has to do with me um, being really close to and observing uh, humpback whales like on the surface of the water and and below like them being really in proximity to me um and and it has a different scenarios but in general like that's my favorite when it ha when when i get a chance to have that dream sort of thrilling and scary at the same time like i know i'm on the right track like oh, yeah. that's how i feel about it so yeah. i was like oh thank like thanks thanks for that nod i will continue on <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great one. I like that a lot. Uh, can you roller skate? Yes, but I can't roller blade. Um, I can ice four, skate, but I can't. I'm a four wheel. Anything. I'm a four. I can ice skate too. I can ice skate, <laughs> and I think it's because I grew up with ice skates and with four wheel roller skates. But the roller blade thing, maybe I just don't like it. Like that's probably, probably why. But yes, I can. Mora, Mora came. Hi, Mora. Mora says hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mora, who works here at the library. I bet you she can roller skate. I bet you she can roller skate. I bet she can too. 
Yeah, she's she strikes me as someone who can roll or dance. You know, like she's me just, too. You know, out there doing her thing. <laughs> I imagine a sequin jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Shoot the duck <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I'll skate, change directions. Uh, uh, what about ride a horse? Yes, I grew up doing that. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, like roller skate, like could you be in the roller derby or roller skate? I should skate, not be like- in the roller derby. No, I'm more of a raspberry beret to Prince and Madonna, all skate, change direction. But my sister, I had one, <laughs> one sister who was a, a trick, like a skate dance. Uh, a roller skate dancer Uh or that and then I have a sister-in-law who was in the roller derby and I have a daughter who could totally be in the roller derby if we had one around here I'd be signing her up stat for that she's definitely gonna throw an elbow or five (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in our little town at home I'm from a town of 700 people and then the town next door is about a thousand a little more than a thousand and uh, we've been talking about getting together a roller derby team but then we had quarantine and pandemic we didn't want to touch each other anymore right. so eh, we've cooled off on that for now but we'll see you can still get your skates out you can get in you can get in uh you know get ready get <laughs> get throwing an elbow ready and then you can land it you know in a year right. or two. <laughs> uh, I almost got skates to practice skating in the library while we oh, were yeah. closed to the public. That couldn't go wrong at all. We have this big ramp down to the second level. I would not be injured in the I slightest. Think, I think when it's open <laughs> to the public and you're skating, like that's when you've totally nailed it. Like that's when I'm driving back to Pendleton <laughs> is, to see, is to see you all in there in your skates. <laughs> that would be a sight. Uh, what project are you working on now? Oh gosh, um, I'm well. I'm working on a new book. I'm. I always have a book in progress, but sometimes, I mean, I usually have multiple books in progress. But the one that's um, really filling my awareness is one that I'm working on about long distance walking, like the role that taking a one day long distance walk can serve in your overall life of trying to get things feeling in order for you. How far off is that one? Because I want to read it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it probably would be uh, two, probably 2023, 2023. So right when you're um, needing a, to rest from your roller derby competition, right. you'll be like, I will read this book and take a long walk. <laughs> a good day long walk. Um, what's the best project you've done in the past 12 months or Probably Grow Wild. I think Grow Wild. I mean, so it's funny because like I think of projects being like, I don't think of anything behind me. Like, it's all moving forward with me. But um, Grow Wild, you know, just came out in May. And I, it's still within the last 12 min- months, the most significant, important thing that I've managed to complete and package and put out into the world. And I'm going to have it in the show notes too, because I think it's important for everybody to read it. I think it's a beautiful book and I think it's a good book. It's Thank full you. of information. I love that book. Uh, can you cook? Yes. And what is for dinner? I love cooking. Um, what is what is for dinner? So that's a nice thing about being able to cook is you don't really have to know. But um, what uh, you know what we picked chanterelles in the forest. It's chanterelle season here, oh, probably there too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I'm going to saute some foraged chanterelles with some sesame oil and a little bit of uh, tamari, like amino acids. And then I'm going to put it on sushi rice with green onions. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, Do you have TikTok? Do you ever 
look at TikTok. There's this woman on TikTok who does foraging that I like very Mm. much. And her goodbye line is, don't die. Because she (laughs) tells you you how to forage lots of stuff. And some of it is stuff that she says, uh, you know, up till now, this has been we have considered this to be toxic but i'm going to show you the one that's not toxic that brown people use and it's usually american stuff she's a black lady and she uh also talks about things like sumac Mm -hmm. whereas this is a sumac that is edible this is a sumac that's not edible the sumac that is edible sometimes it's not worth having because it's been rained on so it's not delicious anymore (laughs) i didn't know that that changed and I knew that you could eat some sumac. It's not part of a flavor that I enjoy, but I know that you can. And she took it home, and the first thing she made with it was a lemonade because it's sour. And its particular acid is very similar to citric acid. So she made a, and it didn't have lemons. It was just a Mm. a sumac drink. And then the next thing she made with them was crackers. And uh, yeah, it was... I love that lady. I will share her with you too. And you That's should great. look at her because she's a delight. <laughs> and I'll put that in the show notes. I'm gonna I'm gonna be reading the show notes of this podcast that I've been on. I was like exciting. <laughs> anyway, she does a lot of foraging and she's in uh, the East Coast, but there's a lot of it that can we can do over here too. Sure. Uh, uh, what's your favorite website? Like I always say, mine's Pinterest, but yeah, I don't use Pinterest. Um, uh, the website that I use, the website that I appreciate the most is probably Google Scholar or PubMed. That's that's what I'm. You know, I it's it's like a library in your face, and so um, yeah, I don't spend a lot of time because so much of my work has become web based. I don't do much uh on it that's not for work anymore or else i would have to be on it all of the time um as much i mean i love i there's so many amazing <laughs> there's so many amazing things and and uh, the uh, the internet like basically brings all those questions that you could answer get answer to the library like to your fingertips anytime you want is so overwhelming that that's why i prefer the book format is because i like to be able to close it and not have too many wormholes that link me away from the original question I was in search of. So I will always write and read books. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the very unattractive and unpinworthy <laughs> Google Scholar. <laughs> and that is something that librarians do say. Google the internet gives you hundreds of answers. Yeah, but Librarians give you the right answer. Well, they'll give you the book. Libra- I mean, librarians can give you a place to, to, like, I think that one thing that a book does is keeps you focused on what your question is. Like the internet is sort of set up of going, wait, you actually have 4,000 questions and then you never actually learn any of them. So I like the long form or even the short form of a short bit to read, but let that information sink in and see what you can answer yourself without going to the next thing you know and then then there's some dogs and cat videos that pop along the way that probably wasn't even on your list of questions but you can't look away so um yeah so i'm a big champion of books for that reason and librarians also help you get 
get what the question is that you're really asking because lots of times yeah. you have a query and you're not really sure what you're asking so you ask somebody and if you ask the internet then that's what they answer but if you ask a person then they need a little clarification so they ask you a question yeah. and then you answer that and you think oh wait what i really want to know is this part yeah then you can go from there you're like socrates but on roller skates right <laughs> promise not to elbow anyone <laughs> in the library actually i have elbowed people in the library yeah don't make promises they were too close to me exactly. and a little handsy yeah <laughs> i can't punch him but i can back up suddenly <laughs> uh what's the last movie you saw you're not a a screen household or tv show no you know what <laughs> well the i I will watch um, West Wing, which is a show from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and the last time I watched it was not when it was on. I never watched it when, when it was on, but it has become sort of a, it's a balm for me to put on, like if I'm cleaning the house or working right. on a sewing or something yeah. like that, I can put it on and, and I just, um, I feel like I learn a lot. We've really had a lot more requests lately for West Wing. So because one of the things you can get through the library is TV show, mm -hmm. seasons of TV shows, and you can yeah. watch them on DVD. West Wing has had a resurgence in popularity. Yeah, because we don't really understand the politics of right now, and we've kind of gotten away from how it works, and that's a really good primer for how things work. And so for me, the first time I watched it, which was years ago, I was like, I'm learning so much of what was sort of assumed that maybe everyone did know it sometimes so i would definitely i would definitely have that in a library you know when you're at when your main question is like what's going on right now you'd be like well let's why don't you start with west wing season one and then and then you can move on from there and like it just, it just kind of gives you a sort of uh some landmarks that you can sort right. of anchor yourself to so exactly um, i don't know who answered that question in the last 15 years <laughs> west wing but it was me and i just watched it this weekend <laughs> um what was the last book you read um the last book i read was symposium by plato and that was for a class. Like I, I'm actually taking a philosophy <laughs> class right now. Like that wouldn't have been, uh, I take classes to make me read things that wouldn't be my first pick. So that's why I've read that. Had a <laughs> I feel like I need an excuse. Hard, well, you do, I think. I have a very hard time with philosophy classes because, you know, my mind does not look at a question and take it apart and answer the parts. Yeah. And my mind answers the question when the answer is wrong it reevaluates. It's very hard for me to come at philosophy in the way that, you know, you can discuss it with people who are thinking about these things. Very frustrating for everyone all around. Well, and I think that's sort of, you know, this class is, this section is really looking at like the, the very, we take, I think, the idea of categories and subcategories for granted, like that concept has always been familiar to humans, but it wasn't. And this book is the point at which this understanding that things were not this or that, but somewhere in between, and that something could belong to a something could belong to a big category but not to a small category within it which makes a lot of sense if you're familiar with like we use 
classification systems for everything, but it came from somewhere. And this was the point in which it was becoming something that is also like, we just teach it to kids like nothing, but this was the emergence of going, oh, everything isn't this or that. Um, because when you do believe everything is this or that, then you have a whole bunch of assumptions that flow from it. So re going back to these old texts um, is helpful to be like, wow, like that wasn't at our fingertips as a concept, like concepts have been handed down. So our, what we would call just basic understanding of life or things like wasn't always this way. And so you just, it helps me just to remember things are always coming down as new concepts. And just because you don't have a place for them to land doesn't mean that they won't be common for everyone to understand once everyone has learned to see the new widget that the human thought widget that the human has come up with and then is trying to to teach it so i i appreciate i mean there's definitely philosophers right don't even understand anything but um <laughs> but plato is particularly easy for me to grasp at his the method that he's supposedly saying is soccer the socratic method yeah socrates is okay too it's where they get into where is it philosophy or is it math yeah. You know what we need? We need tiny cartoons in the margins. That's what the that's what the cartoons in the margins were the, for the exact same reason my kids draws cartoons in the margins. Like, I don't know what's going on. So here's some snails and some gussets and next book. Actually, um uh oh, what's her name? Linda Berry, the cartoonist, the comic artist, uh did a class at the University of Wisconsin a few years ago and what it was was uh, it was about drawing comics but what came out of it was note taking with doodles which is and, all i do <laughs> oh yeah and it's about how you can make it uh, so that later you can look at it and re-enter the mind space you were in sure. but also easier for you to keep the concept in your mind and she wrote a book about that well, I'm going to ask you to put that in the show notes so I can once again get because I, I can only um, take notes and pictures. Uh -huh. and, um, and when I look back, I'm like, I remember drawing that star around that thing. So like, that was kind of important for me. This is going to be the best show notes ever. It is. Sometimes I don't do a lot. I just, my glitter pen died. So on to a new pen. Died in these show notes. Uh What's your favorite book? My favorite book is The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. Genius, genius. And it's a sci-fi. Sci-fi is my uh, favorite genre to pleasure read. And I would say that in that book, she's really also exploring all the things that I've talked about before in this interview that interests me. Like what, what, what how does culture so inform our every thought and ability to process a situation and also how does how are we so not fluent in anyone else's culture but our own in in a really extreme way she's using aliens you know i'm like oh that book is that book is gold i feel like that like i would love to just only read that book for the rest of my life and see all the things that i missed <laughs> Uh, a friend's mother told me, I don't even know what book it was she was reading, but it was about uh, humans 
first starting to, instead of being met with a crisis, like our wheel has broken, uh, and then just waiting for divine inspiration about what to do next, about uh, observing the problem and doing something about it yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, there is a huge cultural shift there, but I don't see how <laughs> even an animal problem solves. Still. <laughs> yeah. There is there is a point where you change between uh, waiting to be inspired about what to do and studying the problem, breaking it into its components and solving with your own mind what yeah. it is. And that's cultural also. Yeah. I mean, maybe the birth culture, but sometimes I think that it's going the other way that you can't solve things unless, you know, computer says yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, po- just poking at the like the 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 the, the I can't swipe this thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to make it do something different. No, the joke about oh this book page won't get bigger. I did that the other day. Yeah, I was reading a regular book. Oh, what's oh? Yeah, that's just good old paper. That's not going to change. That's not going to get bigger. <laughs> In my defense, I'm very tired and have a sinus infection, but still, that's silly. <laughs> Uh, please recommend a book. Um, a book. Let's See, I go. get a whole bunch of book stuff out of, out of you without. I think it's great because I because <laughs> I just talk books all day. Um, a book recommendation again to me, it's just a, it's a must read. Is uh, Exhalation by Ted Chiang. C H I A N G. It's uh, science fiction short stories, but like all science fiction is really just you know he, he he's like if if i would have written a short story that featured how things are today 10 years ago everyone would have said it was like a fantasy or whatever and it just sort of became the thing so that's the thing about science fiction is it can be yeah. like that so he's really exploring um uh, he's really exploring the human technology interface and questions about ethics and morality in that framework it's beautiful Uh, and it's and it's and it's uh he uses a really good i would say diverse uh he's not only using western culture as the portal to that explore those ideas he's pretty global when he writes his stories and so i really appreciate that too i like a global basis for a science fiction story otherwise it's just a little bit well okay but what about what about other people? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are they thinking that in the outback yeah. of Australia? Yeah, he's a genius. I think he's a genius, and um, I think he's a good he's a good person to listen to because he's very thoughtful for how far he's had to think through some questions in order to maybe come to a philosophical storyline, and because he's thought so far forward instead of how we tend to think, which is like one year forward or like what will this look like in two years or 10 years you know he's really thinking what does it look like in 200 years or 300 years he's managed to see some of the things that will arise that maybe if you're not taking a very long view um anyway i would just not listen to me about it anymore i would just go get that audiobook go get it and read it go get get it listen to it 
yeah go get it or i mean i read it it's 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 great it's under my pillow hoping again more stuff goes in from it <laughs> uh what's the last transportation problem you had um well see because i walk so much on foot my last transportation problem was actually i needed my car jumped because my battery went dead when i was uh -huh. in the parking lot uh -huh. working on my book in the parking lot and um i don't know what happened but yeah i needed a jump <laughs> Uh-huh. Did you have the light on or you listened to the radio? No, I didn't. I was, my computer was plugged into the charger, but I didn't even like, even that for the hours, I think that the, like the air conditioning switch must've gotten knocked on low. Like I couldn't feel it, but that must've yeah. been the extra drain. Cause normally it wouldn't have exceeded my battery capacity. I think that it drains quicker at some times of the year too. Like when it first gets hot yeah, or when it first gets cold it's nothing to do with the battery or the systems of the car but that's when my battery will be a little iffy yeah i mean I just, also i drive yeah. bad cars but still. well this <laughs> is, old is car. Cool. i mean this is an old car too so i don't yeah. i don't know it's just getting older and older yeah uh how were you inspired to get into the job you have oh that job of mine um <laughs> you know it's like i'm inspired to do anything i just i mean i just really feel like i like everyone just have the the things that i was born with um and what i tend to do is i just i really go by instinct i don't do a, i don't tend to like like i really just tend to follow my gut on on what I think is the right choice for me. And so that's, that's just how it is. I just spend a lot of time trying to be, trying to be the best person I could be. Like I really strive to be a really good person all the time. Like that's in my four of like behavior for, it's like in the front of my head for behavior. And then I also just try to find like the Venn diagram of also overlapping like, and what is it that I really want to do and, and I'm good at doing? And like, that's why I'm, that's just how I got here, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's the program that got me here. That's the one that worked out. Uh, that is it for our show today. Thank you for coming on, making this time for us. I'm so glad that you got to come and talk to me today. Thanks for doing this. This is fun. And this will drop on Saturday at 2. Okay. So uh, that will be October the 9th at 2 p.m. I personally will be getting ready to conduct a cemetery tour of Only Cemetery with costume performers. They're not ghosts. They're just historical people. <laughs> but the Fun. podcast will drop then. And then I'll send you a link to it next week. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.